0: Following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP radio.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the newest edition of retro pop i am one of your hosts i am johnny townsend i'm joined by my pal uh the man i don't know if you were all black or not there but it's matt johnson
1: <laughs> once in a while those are my summertime colors all right those are my summertime colors what's going on buddy uh happy to be back for another episode of retro pop uh we have a yeah there's this is a good one today this is the first type uh or first time we did an episode on this type of topic right. which i which i'm really excited to talk about and discuss uh because we've really hit just about everything here right <laughs> i think we've, yeah. we've hit just about every element of pop culture i at believe this point. so after after this uh, except, one
0: i don't know what other genre we could cover that we haven't covered already um
1: but, no, no so that's that's good this is like a milestone for yeah, us i think so
0: too so of course today i would today say. we're talking about the man in black himself johnny cash Matt, I don't know about you, but I'm a big fella, so the reason I wear black is way different from why he wore black, and that's because it's very slimming.
1: <laughs> Bro, same thing. Same same exact yeah. thing. Same exact thing. No, that's exactly like what it better. is. I look way better. I do, too. I do, too. You will rarely – like, when you – when I'm supposed to look like a decent human being, like uh, aside from when I'm just putting on sweatpants and t-shirts, right. you will find me on in all black. It's it's usually how it is. So uh but yeah, the man in I all was, black. I was I
0: was thinking about my wardrobe <laughs> and my t-shirts just in general, and I guarantee you the black t-shirts compared to other colored t-shirts I have, it's got to be a 20 to 1 ratio.
1: <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh, like every time I order like a shirt for somebody's podcast and they have like multiple colors, I always get the black Same. version. I w- I will get a sh- I will get a t-shirt that I don't even necessarily like what's on it, but if it's black, I'm getting it. That's that's who I am. That's who yep. I am as a person. That's why Matt owns a bunch of very offensive black t-shirts.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep, and you will never see them on Facebook Live. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's Let's get into our personal histories with the man in black, Johnny
1: Cash. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm... All
0: right, Matt, for me, this is going to be a. Another personal episode. Uh, Johnny Cash means quite a lot to me. Uh, he's another celebrity uh, or a person I never met that, but when they died, it really affected right. me. Um, he's he's right up there with Robin Williams and uh, you know and uh, Jim Varney who I, I covered last time uh, as just these act these actors and musicians and just these these people who were larger than life to me. Um, my grandpa, who I was very close to, who sadly passed away years ago, his name was also Johnny. Uh, and, of course, that's my name. I was named after my grandpa. I'm very proud of that. But uh, that's what, honestly, first drew me to the name Johnny Cash. Like, you know, when you find somebody with your same name and they're famous, and you're like, huh, I want to see what this person's about. Right, right. And And that's what drew me to Johnny Cash originally. And then I really just started listening to his music. And especially as I got older, I really, really appreciated his stuff because you know when you're when you're growing up, your music tastes change. well, mine did uh drastically, you know, I went from drastically, uh, yeah, yes, I went from uh loving stuff that had heavy guitars in it uh you know to uh like even <laughs> very ashamed to say when I was a backyard wrestler, and this is a real sentence uh, when I was <laughs> <laughs> When I was a backyard wrestler, my theme, uh, my interest music was Limp Biscuit. Uh, that's that's something I'm very ashamed of, but will admit freely. And uh, so I went from that to loving uh, like folk music, folk type music. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just uh, anything that was uh, like anything that had, you know, different types of instruments in, I was very interested in. Uh, and Johnny Cash, to me... Even though I think most people would consider him country. And I get that. But uh, mainstream country music just isn't for me. Like, I just can't get into it. I know tons of people who love it. Uh, example, my mom loves it. And there are a few country songs that, I, that I'm okay with. But overall, it's just not for me. Uh, but Johnny Cash, to me, kind of stood above his genre of music. Uh, he's kind of above it. He's sort of you know, one of these things that transcends it in a way. Uh, but yeah, Johnny Cash meant a lot to me growing up, uh, and even even more so as I got older. I had uh, a lot. I had every one of his later albums that he did with Rick Rubin, okay. and we'll get into those. Uh, and those, man, I would drive around just listening to those because they they just hit me fairly hard. So, uh, especially during that time of my life, uh, so I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. I'm very curious what you feel about the man in black. I'm sure you've at least heard of him
1: <laughs> oh I mean w- without a doubt, my first impression that I can remember I was actually cleaning up uh I was cleaning up over my uncle's house I was helping him out with some uh some household stuff and and whatever trying to earn some uh, earn some earn some money. I think it was like I was eleven twelve maybe uh but it was right around the time that Johnny Cash passed away. And I was very interested in who this guy was. And uh, my uncle was just sitting there uh, watching the TV. And it was the tribute. It was like a tribute show. It was on like CMT or one of those music stations. They would do a huge tribute show to Johnny Cash. It was like millions upon millions of people were kind of coming in and watching this. And I was really invested. And my uncle was teaching me about him, uh, telling me about just how great of a musician he was and and, 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 and so much more. A uh, performer. Uh, great work ethic, which I'm going to preach about quite, a, you know, just about any time I, I mentioned Johnny Cash. So I was aware of him in, at the time of he passed away, which, you know, unfortunately that happened with a lot of uh, celebrities. Uh, it, it, But later on in my life, uh, it was actually when I was pro wrestling and uh, Brody Lee, who's now known, well, he's now known as Bertie Lee, was once known as Luke Harper. I got to wrestle him. And his entrance theme on the independent level was God's Gonna Cut You Down by Johnny Cash. And oh, that's a it's great so film. good. It's so great entrance. theme. Like You wouldn't think it's a great pro wrestling entrance theme, but it actually, like, fits. Well, you watch you him watch on TV all the time, but you kind of see it. Uh, yeah. But I was in a huge kick of just picking up everybody's, downloading everybody's entrance music, and I got into Johnny Cash. And... You know, that was the first one. And then I started listening to more of his discography. And he actually, like, this is something I never real like really realized until I started listening to Johnny Cash, was music is storytelling. And yes. Johnny Cash was one of the best storytellers through music of all time. Uh, you know, we're going to get into his personal life and all that, but he put his pain, his suffering, his his highs, excuse me, his highs, his lows, he put it all into his music. And he created beautiful music and the man has a discography like you will never believe. it's 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 pretty big. We're, we're it's it's a it's a huge discography, the best, the most brilliant discography of all time. Uh <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's really it's really immaculate and uh yeah, I mean this is a story if yeah to me he I know he did, he's not really a, a country in a traditional way, at least in his later years, but uh, I think he helped popularize country music for a lot of people. Uh, you know, country music yeah. at the, uh, you know, when he first came around, it was phasing out. It was honestly phasing out. He started performing, I think, the 50s or whatever. And well, like I said, we'll get into that in a moment, but it was starting to phase out, and he kind of made it popular, and he, he kind of cross-branded with all the sorts of different brands of music and he made it popular. And I honestly think a lot of people uh, like country music today for what Johnny Cash offered. I really personally do. Uh, but regardless, a fantastic actor, uh, a, another life worth, you know, just a life filled with life, uh, to be honest with you. And, and yeah, there's, I, I always feel like I'm finding a new a new Johnny Cash song that I can tap tap my boots to, if if you kind of get what I'm saying. Like there's there's, there's so much to his uh, to what he had to offer the world of music.
0: Yeah, uh, storytelling is uh, something that I really like in songs. My favorite songs all tell a story, pretty much. So that's probably another reason why I gravitated to him. But let's kind of get into the life of Johnny. Cash. I hurt myself
1: today. To see it I still feel I focus
0: on the... All right, so uh, my sources were actually johnnycash.com, the official Johnny Cash site. I watched a couple documentaries that are on that are really easy to find on YouTube. One of them is a YouTube-exclusive documentary you can find. They're all really good. Uh, and, of course, I went back and listened to a lot of his music because it gave me an excuse to do so. Uh, Johnny <laughs> Cash was a was a complicated man. Uh, That's an understatement. That's (laughs) an understatement. Yeah, and I think one of the things that really draws me to a person, or even to a character in in fiction, is when there's a redemption story that's told. Right, like that Mm -hmm. is huge for me. A redemption story, Uh, you know, like let's use Harry Potter as a a strange example to Johnny Cash here. But uh, like uh, (laughs) my favorite character at the very end became uh, Snape because of the redemption story. You actually found out who he was and what he actually stood for. and it What an changed, amazing t- twist. Totally, yeah. Yeah, totally changed my opinion of the character, and he became my favorite instantly. Uh, so redemption stories are pretty huge for me. Um, he was born on February 26, 1932, uh, born with the name J.R. Cash. Uh, that was his actual name. It was the initials J.R. Uh, apparently back then in the 30s, it was not unusual for your name for your first name actually be initials like that wasn't <laughs> unusual uh that's not something that i ever ever hear about now <laughs> i don't know
1: about no you. no i mean i see initial and abbreviated names all the time you know right. with, with certain businesses and uh yeah but not as like <laughs> not like that what's your name son jr cash what's the jr stand for i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just the, that's just the way it is That's just the way it is, but I mean it's kind of a cool uh, twist. And I I mean, I guess, like I said, uh, Johnny and Ray—that's what they. That's what they. What what was the split decision on him? His mom wanted him named John. His father wanted him named Ray, and I guess it's the ultimate compromise. Yeah, yeah,
0: Uh, that's basically. I mean, it kind of rolls off off the tongue, though. Uh,
1: Johnny Ray. I mean, Johnny Ray Cash. It kind of rolls right off the tongue, to be honest with you.
0: You're right. You're right. Uh, So he was born to a fairly um poor family uh, they worked really hard on a farm his dad was very much a uh, a hard worker and if you like it was even said that if the kids were playing around because they were kids he would get very upset about that uh, so they had a very fairly hard-working childhood uh one of the things that kind of helped him was that he and his mom both loved gospel music and they would sing gospel songs a lot uh, and they would listen to the radio, because this was when the radio was huge and the TV barely existed. Uh, so they had a radio and they would listen to all the gospel music on the radio. Uh, as he was growing up, Johnny actually grew really close to his brother, Jack. Uh, his brother is a little older than him, but this is where tragedy first touches Johnny Cash's life when he's young. He's only 12 years old. Uh, on May 12, 1944, when his brother Jack actually is working on some kind of machine. And he gets caught up in it, and it and it kills him. He dies. He passes away. Yeah, there's a table uh, saw. Yeah, it was yeah. It was very tragic. I
1: was I was baffled because I didn't know. Like, it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, electric was electric tools weren't the most prominent thing, but they were around. And I'm curious as to what this table saw exactly looked like. Because uh, I've seen some. I've seen some of the newer newer days. They're very dangerous. They're very scary looking and intimidating. But I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a tough way. It's a tough way to go.
0: Yeah, and what's even worse is that he didn't die right away. I mean, it sounds weird to say that, but he actually suffered quite a bit. Uh, yeah, uh, he. Uh, so he passes away, and and Johnny Johnny was really really close to him. Um, and what actually made it worse is that his dad actually told his son Johnny when he was twelve years old that it should have been him. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how you, I don't know how you tell your son that at all. Uh, but that's a very famous thing that was said to him, uh, that his dad said he, he should have been you. I couldn't even I imagine
1: that no. saying that to anybody. It, and that seemed to be like a commonpla I mean, yeah, it happens to this day still, but uh like I, I don't know why that was such a commonplace thing to talk to your kids like that. It, it baffles me. Uh I don't know. That's yeah. That's really messed up. But it seemed to you seem to hear a lot of stories about that happening in the early days, like fathers just treating yeah. their sons, like especially the youngest, like absolute garbage. But yeah, ugh.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, and it's even and there's also a very famous story of the day that they were uh, burying Jack, that Johnny actually got out there and helped dig his brother's grave, and he was only 12, and he's out there helping dig the hole. Ooh, um, so obviously, this affected. Uh, Johnny very much, you know, very. I mean, I don't know how it wouldn't uh, affected him pretty hugely. Um, and uh, apparently, Jack was way more spiritual than Johnny was at this time, and so that kind of went into Johnny a little bit. Uh, so let's let's fast forward. He grows up, uh, July 1950. Uh, he actually enlists in the U.S. Air Force, and this is when he takes the name John R. Cash. Apparently during this time, if you would if you were to enlist, you were not allowed to use initials as a first name, so he had to come up with a name. And he just said, "Well, I was going to be Johnny Ray, so John R. Cash." Huh. So John was his name. Uh, and during this time, this is when he meets Vivian Labirto Le- or Liberto. I'm probably saying that wrong, but that uh, she would later on become his first wife. Uh, and he starts a band. Then this is his first band. He starts it with five other ser- with five servicemen. And they called themselves the Landsberg Barbarians. What a name! <laughs> and uh, this is actually where he would learn to play guitar better, and actually start writing occasional verses from time to time. So this kind of gets him his, like you can see him kind of getting into music here, very much more so. Uh, four years later, he actually marries Vivian. They would go on to have four daughters. Uh, you know, a couple of his kids are actually fairly famous, I would say, especially one of his daughters who sings and stuff as well. Uh, but let's move to the same year, 1954, we're going to the very famous, I mean, this place is hugely famous in music, uh, Sun Records. Sun Records was a really small, I don't know if you've seen the actual building, map, but uh, the actual building for Sun Records is ridiculously small. <laughs> it's really, really small.
1: That's, yeah, I, 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 could Im- I could imagine, I don't think I've ever, I'm going to Google it right now, but... Uh... I could imagine a lot of those like studios back then were were really tiny, and Sun Records wasn't like. uh, It's historic. Excuse me, it's historic. I don't mean for my voice to crack there, but uh, yeah, (laughs) humble, very humble beginnings, very humble beginnings.
0: Yeah, and apparently during this time at Sun Records, you could actually go in and pay to have a record made, and they would make a record for you. Uh, That doesn't mean it would get released or anything like that, but you know, to the radio. But they would make a record if you paid the money to do so. That's actually Sun really Re- cool. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, that's actually <laughs> awesome. Uh, Sun Records became very famous because of the people that they would actually start, uh, and we'll get into some of those names here in a minute. Um, so uh, this is when uh, John uh, formed a band, and they called himself John R. Cash and the Tennessee Two. And it was just three guys. They didn't have a. Uh, this is one thing I found very interesting. They actually didn't have a drummer yet, and they didn't have uh, any sort of real bass. So if you ever listen to his older songs, you kind of hear him, hear like some uh, banging and stuff on his own guitar. And that's to kind of give himself some rhythm because they didn't really have a rhythm section in their band yet. So, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and originally he went in there to to do some gospel songs, but Sam Phillips, who was the producer, very famous Suns Records producer, said, hey, look, uh, gospel music doesn't sell. I mean, it's up to you, but gospel doesn't sell. So, uh, he did this one song called Hey Porter, but then uh, Sam Phillips heard him playing Hey Porter and he really liked it. You know, Johnny, uh, John Cash had a very different sounding voice, very iconic voice by now. And uh, Sam Phillips said, hey, go home, write another song and we'll do another side of it. Because this is during a time where you didn't release full albums, you actually released a record that had a song on each side type of deal. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the good old days. So he, My grandfather yeah, still has some on. of those. Is that not cool? I don't know why I like it's it. It's really so cool, much. actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's so, so inconvenient, but at the same time, it's yes. very nostalgic.
0: <laughs> Incredibly inconvenient. Uh, <laughs> so, because uh, you even even you even have to get up to flip the record over. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember I remember when uh, you know cassette tapes did the same thing. They had, they released singles cassette tapes, and it would, but they would oh, likely put yeah. a couple songs on one side before you had to flip it over. Uh, so, <laughs> so he goes home and he writes the song "Cry, Cry, Cry," uh, which is another one of his songs, and. Sam Phillips liked these so much that he released these to radio and almost instantly Johnny Cash became a hit. And he became Johnny Cash because Sam Phillips renamed him from John R. Cash to Johnny Cash. He just thought it sounded better and that's what Johnny Cash would become uh, known as, just Johnny Cash from then on out. Suns Records is also very famous for the other people that went through there, including one Elvis Presley. Uh, That's where Elvis, Elvis got his start with Sun Records. And just with just say Elvis and Johnny Cash are uh, got your start at your at, at, at your place uh, that's
1: This is something yeah this yeah. Is so, I knew nothing about this that's like that's insane yeah. Hey Hey Johnny Cash you want to have a jam yeah. session
0: <laughs> Yeah they were actually friends so
1: <laughs> it's so cool that is the coolest yeah. thing
0: Johnny Cash actually <laughs> said in an interview that his first actual concert live concert that he got to play was on an elvis presley show oh, because no elvis elvis became a humongous hit as we all know uh and they were friends so he put him on his show and it was his first live time playing it was <laughs> it was there could you imagine that being your first time on a show with uh, this other iconic star
1: oh i know that's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure but i'm sure uh yeah that's it's it's that's, that's crazy i feel like they're two different like Fan like fans too. Like I feel like Johnny Fa- excuse me, Johnny Cash fans and Elvis Presley fans. Like their style of music, while it may be similar in some cases, the fans don't exactly line up in my estimation. But right. uh, if you kind of get what I'm saying, like I, when I when I think of Elvis, I think of just women just screaming and uh, dancing and and all kinds of wild stuff. And Johnny Cash is I uh, just a little bit darker. Slower take. I don't like uh, people having hoot nannies and all that. That's that sort of uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that Southern phrase. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean.
0: But actually, in reality, Johnny Cash and Elvis had a lot of like. They were a lot alike in a lot of ways. Um, I do want to cover Elvis at one point on this show. So
1: oh, I'd love to. Uh,
0: let's uh, so let's kind of get into just listen to how fast these hits came out for him. I'm just going to tell you the name of the song and when it came out. And this is how short of a period of time that he became huge. Hey Porter was released to radio in May 1955. Folsom Prison Blues, which is another huge song of his, December 1955. I Walk the Line, another humongous song of his, May 1956. So just in the span of a year, there uh, he has three huge hits, and he becomes humongous. Uh, and this is also during this time where he would be traveling a lot, and of course, this is before he, you know, was on an airplane or anything like that. So he's driving all these places with his band and like he'll have a show in one area on a on a you know on a Friday and then he's got to have another show by Sunday that's like 300 miles away and he's got to make the show because that's how he's making money and uh, this kind of leads to his first stint with the drug problem because he needed a way to stay awake and somebody kind of introduces uh meth to him and he gets hooked on it so, uh, he originally was taking this stuff to stay awake, uh, so he could perform. Uh, and then, uh, so let's kind of just, just kind of remember that cause that's gonna, definitely going to come back. Uh, summer hey, of, geez. summer of 1956, uh, that was a big time for him too, because, uh, he had been away from his family quite a lot. Uh, he and his wife were kind of drifting apart. She really wanted him, Vivian really wanted him to be a more of a, uh, Stay at home kind of dad type of thing, and that just wasn't who Johnny Cash was for better or for worse. Uh, you know, I, I sympathize with his children quite a bit because uh, I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like if you're if you never ever got to see your dad. Um, so the summer of 1956, he meets June Carter, and that's a humongous deal because that's who he'd go on to marry later, and uh, that. Yeah, no offense to Vivian, but June Carter was obviously his soulmate. But we'll get back to that. Yeah, uh, he yes. would he he would always start to sympathize with the downtrodden. Uh, he famously, you know, he famously would try to stand up for all these people who society seemed to look down upon, including uh, prisoners uh, and Native Americans. Those are two ones that really were close to his heart. And we'll come back to those as well. But uh, so let's let's kind of fast forward. He he's still a humongous star. Uh, the 1965. This is a this is a big deal. He is arrested for drugs possession in El Paso, Texas, and he has to spend a night in jail. And uh, this is a sign of his drug addiction getting worse. And the re- the reason he even got caught because he'd actually hidden them pretty well in his guitar. Uh, when he got there originally he was driving around in a cab he's been driven around in a cab and the cabbies especially back then probably even now for being honest uh the cabbie would be the ones you would say hey i kind of want some stuff if you know what i mean and they would know where to take oh, you.
1: oh i got gotcha. you so this
0: so this cabbie knew where to take him, and then this cabby is also the one who turned him in <laughs> so, uh, oh what
1: a narc i know what a narc <laughs> i
0: know uh but i'm kind of glad it, happened cause it you know, it's a, he needed – sometimes we got to fall when we realize we have an issue. Honestly, uh, you're, you're
1: probably right. We might not be talking about him right now if that cabbie didn't yeah. turn him in.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this is a sign that his drug addiction is actually getting worse. And then by 1967, this is just two years later, Um, he's in Tennessee. And there's this cave where he's at in Tennessee. And he actually crawls into this cave. And he's basically there to – to end his life and this is when he has a religious experience like he he says that that night is when uh... god really came to him and it really started to change things for the better uh... and, and him and june by this time were already a couple uh... he and his, he and his first wife are already uh, separated and divorced but june would not marry him because he would ask her to marry him all the time But she said, until you get your act together, because she knew he was dealing with stuff, uh, you know, I can't marry you. And she was actually also, when they first met, she was also married. Uh, So when they were kind of together originally, this was, uh, you know, this was a big deal, especially back then, uh, for two people who were married to be seen together so much. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, back then, very, like, Catholicism was like huge in the United States still is to this day but like that sort of thing like uh yeah that, th- that sort of thing was very frowned upon and, and hidden and when stuff came out it was the end you know now if, if somebody if that happens with like a celebrity people get mad judgmental for like a week and then they move on nowadays yeah. it, like back then that was like that was a sin man you were a heathen you were a heathen if you did stuff like that Uh yeah did very different time period very different time period
0: no, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, but by 1968, June and Johnny actually get married. Uh, and then in that same year, this is actually where he very famously, and this actually kind of re-pumps up his career. Repumps, that's a word, right? I just said it. Uh, re-pumps e- up.
1: Sure, yes.
0: <laughs> rejuvenates is probably what I should have said. Uh, his, his career when he plays a very famous concert at Folsom Prism. Uh, you can actually find this concert. He re- would release it as an album, and this became a humongous hit. Uh, I was watching the documentary, and they were talking to one of the prison guards that was there, and they were like, "Well, what if he kind of gets them up to where they're going to riot?" And he goes, "There's so many of them out there. If they're going to riot, I don't know what you want me to do about it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so it's very so it's very worth a listen. to Just go listen to him talk to these prisoners because he doesn't talk to them like prisoners. He talks to them like they're people, uh, and you could tell that they actually liked him. So, yeah, that became uh,
1: a huge part of his draw. It, it kind of created like this uh, this outlaw image, right of of him, right? People that's what people perceived him as this uh, this, this outlaw, even though he wasn't. You know, aside from his night in jail, he would never really had like a serious prison time run. But he supported these people, and I, I think it's uh, it's it's good to hear that especially because i know there's a lot of bad people in prison but uh you know i think you still got to treat everybody as kindly as you possibly can and and john and johnny cash was uh like was that person to kind of break the ice and, and, and put a new spin on and you know that regardless about how bad they messed up there's still people too
0: yeah he was all about prisoner reform uh that became one of his major things uh he, he was uh, all about these prisoners when they actually got out of jail, what were they going to do, you know, type of thing. Um, they can either be uh, criminals continuously or they can actually grow as a person and help society. And uh, he was all for helping them out. So uh, this is a very famous concert. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, then 1969, this is one of my favorite things he did, was his TV show. The Johnny Cash Show actually airs. It lasts three seasons. And there's some very awesome performances on here. Uh, of course, we also mentioned uh, also mentioned uh, Jim Varney was on this. Ernest himself was on this show. Oh. Uh, but uh, this show also had uh, Johnny Mitchell, Ray Charles, uh, who plays a very awesome version of one of Johnny Cash's songs. Uh, look it up; it's fantastic. And of course, one of my other favorites, Bob Dylan. Uh, Bob Dylan was a giant Johnny Cash fan, and even once. Uh, hitchhiked like I can't remember how many miles it was it was a ridiculous set of miles uh, and only had enough money for the ticket to go to one of Johnny Cash's shows when he was first starting out and he did it oh. because he was such a Johnny Cash fan uh, and that's saying something because I don't know if you know anything about Bob Dylan but he's a very uh, almost I dare say mysterious figure
1: <laughs> he's different I remember learning about yeah. him in uh, music class in my eighth grade and he, wasn't, he did not have the best vocals at all. He wasn't a joy, really a joy to listen to, but he was good at storytelling. He was like a – uh, uh he reminded me of like an Andy Kaufman type for music, if that makes any sense.
0: It kind of does. Yeah, I get that 100%. <laughs> um, I'm, personally, I'm really drawn to people who have a unique sound and voice, and I think that's why I, one of the things that I definitely agree with you. I'm not going to sit here and say that Bob Dylan somebody that can sing a sweet lullaby while you're asleep or anything like that. <laughs> uh, but I just love his voice because of how different it is. Um, but anyway, so like he would have all these people on who would play uh, songs with him and stuff. And it's if you like music at all, I can't recommend Looking Easy out enough. Uh, this is also about the same time, through us through the seventies, he'd also would start acting. Him he, he would actually appear on a lot of shows like Little House on the Prairie and different things like that, which were big shows during this time. Uh, he was in a couple westerns. Uh, you know, he actually will start acting that way. And then by 1980, he became the youngest living inductee for the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, That's a pretty huge deal. Uh, Of course, during his time, uh, this is when his drug habit kind of would come back to. I mean, there's a very famous time of when he was at the Grand Ole Opry, which is a humongous deal in country music. And he got banned from there because of one of his performances. He got kind of violent on stage and broke some of the lights and stuff. Uh, because he was just so high, uh, you know, you couldn't do anything about it. Uh, but also during this time in the eighties, uh, his music really, really went downhill. He didn't have a hit for over a decade and his shows were getting smaller and smaller. Uh, and then by, uh, 1986 Columbia, which was his record label, which was a huge label back then actually dropped him. They didn't resign him uh and that is huge i mean johnny cash is a name and they said uh we don't want anything to do with you anymore
1: yeah you know what i look at it like and and it's like it, it's it's tough uh looking at like sports you know uh just recently i think of a, a very popular pro wrestler somebody that you and i both admire very much the undertaker he retired not that you know not to bring pro wrestling into this but uh towards the end of his career we all know that he had like these his matches weren't all that great and people were like ready to see him go but they were kind of they didn't really like they weren't really upset until it was like official and I feel like that's kind of what it is with Johnny Cash I mean uh you know I, I use this mentality a lot yesterday's, touch, uh, yesterday's touchdowns don't win today's games I think that really applies to Johnny Cash here it's unfortunate uh but if you can't put out hits that are, you know, making them lots of money, it's kind of tough to resign. Uh, it, it's tough to kind of justify it. I see. It, I see it with football sports all the time, and that really applies to Johnny Cash here, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of businesses or whatever is a very much a "What have you done for me lately?" thing. And yeah. uh, Music is Toys no R Us. Look at people stop going yes. to
1: Toys R Us towards the end because it got too expensive and it wasn't like. Was it wonderful? And then, as soon as it closed down, everybody starts going back again. You know what I mean? So, uh, and that you we'll we'll see that in a, you know in this timeline in about twenty or so years when when Johnny Cash passes away, uh, the, the everybody flooding back to his body of work.
0: Yeah, very much so. Uh, so after he's dropped by his label, uh, it's kind of him hitting bottom. Thankfully, he had kicked his drug habit by then, uh, with a lot of help from his wife, uh, from June, uh, but. Uh, during this time they were saying that he would do he would do a live show and maybe 300 400 people would show up and that is small for a legend
1: (laughs) that's sad burnout though Uh, burnout less is less is more kind of thing
0: yeah uh he uh i can't remember who he told but one of his friends he was saying well i guess i better get ready to go to branson which was a Side of the same thing as somebody going to, like an artist going to Vegas kind of thing. Right. Uh, where you're on the last leg of your career and you're just going to stay at one place and people can come see your shows type of thing. It's sort of something people say when they're on the downside of their career pretty much. Um, so he's all ready to even do that. And then let's hit the 90s. We're hitting the mid-90s. He meets a man by the name of Rick Rubin. Uh, if you love music at all, I am guarantee you you've heard a song Rick Rubin produced. Uh, this guy is a pretty major deal in music, in the music industry, and he's got a very iconic look. Have you seen Have you seen pictures of Rick Rubin before?
1: I have not. Let me Let me go. Let me use the yeah, old Google, Google one. machine. Yeah, Google one real Rick. quick. <laughs> um,
0: he was not necessarily known for the type of music Johnny Cash did. He has a
1: Huge beard.
0: That's what I was talking about. Yeah, that thing is massive. <laughs>
1: He does not look like somebody who I think is a producer. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like he should be wrestling alligators or something.
0: Yeah. Bless his soul.
1: Wow. That is a lovely beard.
0: Yeah. I'm very jealous of it. Uh, (laughs) So uh, he meets Rick Rubin, this famous producer. And Rubin says that they're just hanging out. He's just hanging out with Johnny Cash one day. And, uh, you know, this is definitely when everybody had forgotten about Johnny Cash and rick rubin's talking to him and he goes well why don't you just start playing me some songs that you you like right Just songs that you love so johnny cash just starts playing him songs on his guitar to rick rubin i would have loved to have been there by the way i can't imagine how awesome it oh, yeah. was uh and he said like, well you know what let's start doing some war songs so he would bring him uh songs from different genres and stuff and if johnny cash liked. The song he would kind of put his own spin on it, type of deal. Then Rick Ruben was like, I think we got something here because originally they weren't even recording those for to be released. He was recording those just to you know for like a historical purposes almost. And he was like, "There's something here." So he convinces Johnny Cash, who he who even admits Johnny Cash himself admits that he'd even lost, um, like he even felt like he was nothing anymore when it came to music. Like he'd lost pretty much everything. When it came to playing songs again. And this kind of sparked him back up. So uh, the, so during this time. They try adding. Uh, the, they would bring in a lot of different types of musicians. To sort of fill in for the music and stuff. But Rick Rubin went back and was listening to the original tapes. And was like. You know I think. I think this is where we need to go. More sparse. Uh, it's got a haunting beauty to it. So that's what they would do. And. His first album in April '94, named Cash, simply named Cash, was a smash hit. It was the album of the year, and this would start him getting some new fans who, you know, were younger, and and he'd actually start going on tour again. And he would go on to release quite a few. I think it's at least four or five. Uh, it might be five now because I think he released one after he passed away. Okay. Uh Incredible album uh, albums with Rick Rubin. They're all really really good. They have, they'll have at least one song that that'll kick you in the gut. Guaranteed it. Guaranteed it. Or guaranteed it, as uh, someone would say who didn't know English. Um, (laughs) uh, So this was a humongous deal. And then in 2002, American 4, The Man Comes Around, is released. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, this is when the very famous... And man, I went back and listened to it again. This song just... Man, it just hits you right in the face. Uh, When he covers Nine Inch Nails' Hurt. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I... I'm not a giant Nine Inch Nails fan. I think he's. I think uh, Trent Reznor's very, very good, very, very talented. He's done some songs that I have liked. Uh, but it's a very different style of music from Johnny Cash's, right? But uh, And Rick Rubin would send Johnny Cash songs and say, what do you think of this one? And he sent him this song. And originally, Johnny Cash didn't even mention it. And then Rick Rubin kind of brought it back up to him and said, just here, look at the lyrics and showed him what the lyrics were. And then that's where, that's where it kind of hit him. Because if you listen to... Nashville's version of it—it feels like it's coming from a different place. And then you listen to Johnny Cash.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Two completely different songs. Like lyrics, obviously the same, but they, yeah, completely different vibe to it. Yeah, and then when
0: Johnny Cash does it, it just feels like this man who's looking back over his life, uh, with uh, you know the highs and the lows and the regrets, and man, and the music video on top of that. uh, I remember this like this song. Became one of the songs I'd have on repeat. You know, this is one of those type of songs for me. Especially during this time. Um, And then, you know, Johnny Cash is in his 70s by now. Uh, His wife, June, was not in the best of health already. She was having some heart issues. And then sadly, on May 15th, 2003, June actually dies. Uh, She had had heart surgery. And they thought she was doing all right. But then complications kind of came up. And she would pass away at age 73. And uh, it wasn't even that much longer. She passed away in May. And then in September of that same year, Johnny Cash would die at 71 uh, due to complications from diabetes. So uh, they would pass away really close to each other. That happens a lot, you know. Um, when one goes, you kind of you kind of think, well, I don't think it'll be long for the other. That's happened so many times just in life. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so, for sure. So that's the life of Johnny Cash. Uh, man what a what a life um definitely obviously i left some stuff out uh, I encourage you if you're remotely into Johnny Cash go check out these documentaries they're very very good and there's a really good biogra- some biographies out there I even have a um, a graphic novel about Johnny Cash that I'm, that's very very good so there's plenty of stuff you can you can get to learn more about him but Matt I think it's time for some Matt's stats.
1: You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time, Sooner or later, gotta cut you down, Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. All right, so welcome to this portion of Matt's Stats, everybody. Johnny Cash, like we've been talking about, lived a life. Full of life. I can't say it enough. What a wonderful talent! Uh, lots of lots of career accomplishments. And uh, let's get into some of his statistics. All right. So at the time of his death, we'll go start there. Uh, Johnny Cash was estimated to have about a net worth of sixty million dollars. Quite a bit. Although some reports are about closer to hundred million, roughly, uh, roughly that. So a pretty large estate that he left behind. Uh, lots of. Lots of moolah for his children and, and all that stuff uh Johnny Cash placed at least two singles on the Billboard country charts yearly for 30 straight years 30 straight years that is a huge that's, accomplishment that's a
0: run that's a good run that, right there oh God yeah uh
1: and actually between 58 1958 1960 25 singles on those charts that's my god that's like a that's like a song a month it's legit like a song a month yeah between two years uh johnny cash's albums all right so albums that went gold albums that went gold i, I forgot the uh the unit of measurement for this i think it's i want to say it's like one mil i or maybe i don't know if it's one million but there, there's a plethora of albums that have to be sold for this uh is number six is the highway man from 1985 with Waylon Jennings. Uh, waylon jennings christopherson and as well as willie nelson's on this album as well uh number five the johnny cash show uh 19, 1970 uh number four gold album is the world of johnny cash from 1970 i mean you mentioned it how just quick he was like Gatling gunning Gatling gun songs and albums out like he was putting out two three a year on average which is pretty remarkable uh Number three, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Also from 1970, that was gold. Uh, I Walk the Line from 1964 and Ring of Fire, which is the best Johnny Cash from 64. Uh, the all went gold as far as platinum. Man Comes Around 2000. That's from 2003 with American Recordings. Uh, the Johnny Cash Collection, which is Greatest Hits Volume Two. Uh, Johnny Cash at San Quentin. That's a big, that's a really big and famous album uh, from 1969. Two million copies of that sold. Uh, his number two platinum album of all time Johnny Cash at Folsom prison which we already mentioned and uh, number one Johnny Cash's greatest hits volume one from 1967. so quite the uh quite the discography he has a ton of awards to his credit and these stats are going to be all like kind of all over the place because he like very accomplished career uh let's see he was Grammy uh, best country singer album in 1998 which is you know Right when he started, now when he started getting popular again, but uh, this was kind of the beginning of him slowing down a little bit. Even though he worked until his death, uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, his, all right, here's one for it. Here's an interesting one. Uh, YouTube statistics. YouTube statistics. All right. So Johnny Cash. So official Johnny Cash videos. So they actually have like a YouTube channel for Johnny Cash. It's probably like Johnny Cash Vivo or something like that. Uh, Since let's see, YouTube really got popular and these channels got established. uh, Over two hundred and twenty-nine million views on all Johnny Cash official videos, and of course, the most popular one is uh, "God's Gonna Cut You Down," which uh, averages about thirty-one or thousand two hundred twenty-two views a day, a day, which is uh, pretty impressive, and it's sitting around twenty-six mil. or excuse me, 96 million views right now. Hurt's the number two most watched video on YouTube uh, for Johnny Cash. Also, The Highwayman, She Used to Love Me A Lot, and A Boy Named Sue. Those are his top five songs most viewed on YouTube. Uh, as far as discography, Johnny Cash has sold about, I think, 90 million records. That's what I, Yep, 90 million records. He's one of the best-selling artists of all time. Uh, very, very impressive. and it, It's kind of like one of those when you're when you're putting out records and songs as often as he is, uh, it's 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 quite the accomplishment. It's it's quite the accomplishment. Uh, he has a lot of albums too. A lot of albums. I think. Uh, let's see. What was the official number? I want to say ninety-seven. Ninety-seven albums he has to his credit. All right, he has fifty-four. And these are all kind of like a mix of all the stats, but these are the the individual breakdowns. Uh, studio albums he has fifty-four. Ten live albums hundred and two compilation well no that's oh okay, that's something that's something okay, uh hundred and two compilation albums, so that's him with you know other people as well, seven video albums, two soundtrack albums, eleven gospels uh thirteen collaborations, seven Christmas albums, and fourteen tribute albums to his credit uh so yeah quite uh quite the busy guy there. Uh, he also, like we mentioned, that he had a little, has a little bit of filmography. All right, three hundred and twenty-one soundtrack credits to his name, as well as a bunch of appearances. In, uh, let's see, yeah, just multiple shows. Like not a heavy, uh, you know, heavy live act, you know, live TV movie presence. But he has, uh, he has quite the, uh, quite the list of stuff. He has thirty acting credits to his name uh, pretty remarkable and then of course as we all know uh, many people know I haven't seen this yet and it's a shame on me but uh, back in 2005 there was a movie released called Walk the Line based on Johnny Cash's life and it uh, it opened November 18th 2005 which is my mom's birthday opened in 2,961 theaters grossed 22.3 million dollars on its opening weekend and it went on to earn $119.5 million in North America and $66.9 million in the rest of the world uh, for a total of $186.4 million, uh, which is well above its $28 million budget. So box office success there. But,
0: yeah, I like that movie uh, a lot.
1: Yeah, I have to see it. I, I get. It. I've heard about. It. I've seen. It. I know they parodied it. The 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 Dewey Cox <laughs> yes. story, walk uh, hard. which is yeah. a little that's also yeah, which is very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is interesting, but um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the gist of it. That's that's Johnny Cash in a nutshell, man. Very accomplished, successful uh, musician and somebody who's going to live, uh, I, I think for for a lifetime. I just hope people keep. Finding out about his greatness, you know these 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 uh, these dang millennials and and Xenials and whatever whatever new breed of child comes about. I hope they they get to appreciate Johnny Cash as much as you and I do.
0: Yeah, I like the term breed of child. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's get into my uh, did you know?
1: I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the
0: time. All right, so here's just a couple little things about Johnny Cash you may or may not have known. Uh, He at one point became an ordained minister. Uh, While he was, while he actually, we kind of touched on this one. While he never actually spent long periods of time in jail, he would spend a couple nights here and there. He was actually arrested seven times in his life. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of those for drugs, but not all. I think one was for trespassing because he was picking flowers on somebody's yard or something like that. So, all kinds <laughs> of different things. Um, his biggest hit was Ring of Fire, uh, which is a very good song, but it was also, actually written by uh, a man, or I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Marle, I'm going to assume it's a man from Moral Kilgore and his wife, June Carter, actually wrote that song. Uh, he, <laughs> uh, he once he and his band once let over 500 baby chicks loose in a hotel one time.
1: That's an awesome um, story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's, and, uh, actually one time, um, you know, he had a farm himself and on his farm, he had an ostrich. Yeah. Oh, but this ostrich, <laughs> uh, actually would attack him and hurt him pretty badly. Oh, uh, he had, he had to get some surgery because of this ostrich. So this ostrich was a real dick. Um, when, uh, and when he was younger, he would take, he was trying to take some voice lessons, uh, but his teacher told, would listen to him sing, and after about three lessons, uh, she said, uh, don't don't take these lessons anymore, just sing how you feel you should sing, because she recognized uh, how different his voice sounded, and he had his own real voice. And But here's one of the more important stories I think we could tell about Johnny Cash, but kind of who he was. Uh, he got to meet Richard Nixon when Richard Nixon was president and cool. you can actually, yeah, you can actually go find this, uh, Richard Nixon apparently went into this expecting this to be a really, uh, uh, easy thing to do, you know, just like, Hey, uh, I'm just going to meet this guy I'm going to play some songs and that'd be like a really easy, fun thing, you know? Right. Uh, but Johnny Cash wasn't having it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so surprise, surprise, yeah. tricky dick.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Nixon
0: goes, uh, hey, I want you, to, can you play a couple songs for me? Because Johnny Cash had his guitar with him. And uh, one of the songs he wanted him to play was called Welfare Cadillac, which is a song I've never heard of, if I'm being honest. Uh, welfare Cadillac apparently was this song about uh, about people taking advantage of welfare and kind of shaming poor people. So Johnny Cash refused to play this song. Uh, he said, I'm not going to do it, but I will play you these other songs instead. And <laughs> Uh, one of these songs he played was the song he had written about himself called "The Man in Black," and I'm going to read you some lyrics from that. But the the best part of this is if you watch Richard Nixon's face on this as he's trying to smile, <laughs> as, this, as this is going on. Uh, I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down, living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime, but is there? But is that because he's a victim of the times? I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity Why you think he's talking straight to you and me. Uh, I wear it for the sick and the lonely old, for the reckless ones whose bad trip left them cold. I wear the black in mourning for the lives that could have been. Uh, So, he, he played. He played this instead because he refused to play these other songs that Nixon wanted to play that he felt were uh were very much shaming and putting down people and he just wasn't going to do it. It takes so courage. Kind of, no, it takes a lot of courage oh yeah. to do
1: something like that too. Uh but yeah. Johnny Cash is, you know, he really believed in what he believed in. So it's uh it's a huge credit to him. Uh kind of an early advocate, I guess, too cuz you see it nowadays a lot of celebrities speaking out against politicians that they not they don't necessarily agree with. Uh, and Johnny Cash is, I mean, that's that right around the time where America was all, I mean, it's always been crazy, but it was, it was pretty crazy back in the 60s and 70s.
0: Oh, yeah, very much so. There's also a very famous story of, I don't remember what, which concert it was, but it was apparently near some Native American land, and some Native Americans really wanted to see the show, but they just couldn't afford it. So he stops his show, and, like, he just stops it. And Because he finds out about this. So he just stops the show and says, let those people in. And they all get to go in and see a show. Uh, He really cared a lot about the people who he felt uh, deserved more than what they were getting. Than what life had handed them, pretty much. And how they were being treated. So uh, that's Johnny Cash in a nutshell. Let's talk about Johnny Cash's uh, current state on pop culture.
1: Love is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring.
0: I am, I'm kind of torn on this because, like, for me, he's always he's always been there, and he's always going to be there, and I think he will always be a heavy influence on music, especially. But also, man, I'm slightly concerned uh, when I was really when I was. I grew up in a church, and uh, it was a big part of my life. And when I was in my mid twenties, mid to late twenties, uh, I was actually our church's youth leader, so I was uh, kind of in charge of the the, the uh, high school age kids. And uh, I remember just having a conversation with them. Uh, we were all in a group, and I just started we just started talking about music because I wanted to know what they were listening to. And I brought up the name Johnny Cash. And oh boy. this was about fifteen kids and not a single one of them knew who I was talking about. And my <sighs> heart shattered.
1: <laughs> that's horrible.
0: Yeah. That, that ignorant destroyed kids, me, man. honestly. No, uh, I don't know if they're to... ignorant or the or the parents were. It's one or
1: the other. It's probably <laughs> so, a little bit it's a little bit of both. It's yeah. a little bit of both. Yeah. How how young were these kids? You were, were these kids? you were high school age. High school age. Oh no, I blamed yeah. it on the on the I'll I'll give him to the college. I think way after once college, you can explore yourself and, and other avenues of music. But if you don't know about something past college, shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm kind of, so I'm very torn on this because uh, I think for some of us, me especially, he's always going to be quite important to pop culture. I mean, the stampy left on it is undeniable. Yeah. Uh, you know, still, I mean, still to this day, you know, he's he gets brought up by other artists who want to get into the music scene so uh, i think he'll always be there but i am slightly concerned of like how big of an impact he he has but this is kind of with any artist right when they pass away uh, and a new generation of people's coming up a new a new breed of kids as you said when a new when a new breed of kids or children is coming along um they honestly just may not have heard of it and to be fair i discovered a lot of music that uh from people in the past as I got older. Uh, you know, I really got into the Beatles well after, you know, I was out of well after I was past college age, uh, is when I really got into the Beatles. So um it's it's so I kinda think people I think Johnny cash's music to this day is the type of stuff that people will get into as they get older, if that makes any sense. No, it makes Uh, it makes
1: perfect sense. And I, I hope that continues to be true. Uh Without I do a doubt,
0: too. yeah. So I kind of think it's where he's going to be. Uh, he's always going to be a huge, uh, especially in country music, but I think in all music, uh, a huge. Uh, he's like a Mount Rushmore figure in music for me personally. Uh, he would be on my mount personal Mount Rushmore for music. So, and I think he'd be on quite a other people's. He was a uh, he's he's kind of passed on into myth now.
1: Yeah, no, I I could definitely attest to that. Uh, I mean just about everything you said is is true johnny cash you know 100 percent legend uh always worried about people forgetting a legacy like that uh i did say at the top of the show something that i i definitely intended to do this but uh i do think johnny cash made helped make country music popular and and uh you know with this newer generation uh he did get popular during you know johnny cash's rise was kind of on the cusp of when rock and roll became a, a huge deal uh you know a huge deal. The Beatles, uh, Elvis Presley, and all of that. And the fact that he fit in with the mainstream names uh, was a good sign. It was a good sign, and, and uh, I think a, a definite nod to, of respect to his legacy. Uh, you know, he paved the way <laughs> for white city girls to go to country <laughs> concerts in <and> flannels <laughs> and short shorts and <laughs> pretend that they're country <laughs> I don't
0: I don't want to blame him for that. <laughs> he paved
1: the way, but I'm not going to blame him for that. Uh <laughs> but that's I mean you know, regardless uh you know he to me he was that first country icon for me. I mean, yeah, he had Conaway Twitty back in the day, but for me growing up, it was him and then listening to his music. You hear the storytelling and then you go listen to my other like more modern country music and you you appreciate the the storytelling that comes from it. So uh, storyteller, legendary storyteller without a doubt. And you know what? His music pops up in movies all the time. So he's never going to yeah. be completely forgotten. He, he's written so many songs that he probably averages about two songs in a movie per year, at least. So, uh, legend, though. Absolute legend, in my opinion. But, yeah, that's uh, that's uh what I got.
0: All right, Matt, do you know what we're going to talk about next time?
1: Oh, my God. Yes, I do, my friend. Next episode, two weeks. Uh, next episode in two weeks, we are going to be going to the drive-in movie theater. We're going to talk about the history of the drive-in movie theater. That is going to be our topic. A, uh, a once- Man, I- it's I cannot cool. wait
0: for this. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, and also, just a little hint: I think there's a chance that the drive-in movie theater could be making a comeback.
1: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I'm so excited to talk about my experiences with the drive-in movie theater in uh, the history of it because it's to me, it's 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 up there with a the shopping mall. With the, the, you know, the history of the shopping mall, it's, it's legacy on American culture. But, uh, no, I'm really, really excited to talk about that. So that will be what we have on the agenda for next time in two weeks. But, uh, yeah, something to look forward to, something to look forward to.
0: That's right. So join us next time as we'll be going or driving to the movies. Uh, join us back then. Thank you for listening. We very much appreciate all of you. Until next time, uh, you know, uh, just uh, be good to each other.